Hello, I'm Robin Montague. In our final episode of this series, we're exploring the world of AI and chat GPT. So it made sense to write the introduction using artificial intelligence. I've downloaded an app onto my phone, typing in, write me an introduction to a podcast episode about AI, clicking enter and... Intro music. Welcome back to our podcast, where we explore the groundbreaking advancements and ethical implications of AI. I'm your host, and in today's episode, we'll dive deep into the world of AI, exploring its ever-evolving capabilities and its impact on various aspects of our lives. As we stand on the precipice of a new era, with technological advancements surpassing what was once considered science fiction, it's imperative that we understand the potential of artificial intelligence. From self-driving cars to voice assistants and smart homes, AI is becoming an integral part of our everyday lives. But with great power comes great responsibility. As AI continues to grow more sophisticated, questions of trust, privacy, and ethics arise. In this episode, we'll explore these concerns and discuss the need for AI to be developed and used responsibly. We'll also take a glimpse into the future, discussing the potential of AI in solving some of the world's most pressing issues. We'll also critically examine the risks and potential downside as well, ensuring that we approach these advancements with caution. So, whether you're an AI enthusiast or simply curious about this rapidly advancing technology, this episode is for you. Prepare to be amazed, captivated, and inspired as we navigate the complex world of artificial intelligence and the human impact it has on our society. Background music fades out. Here's where the human picks up the story. In this episode, I'm joined by Alexandra Ozkan, lecturer in international business at the School of Languages and Applied Linguistics, Sershan Ozkan, professor of innovation and technology management, and Adrian Hopgood, who, amongst other things, is professor of intelligent systems at the University of Portsmouth. If you're only just beginning to get your head around what AI actually is, Adrian's your man. The traditional definition of AI would be mimicking human mental capabilities in a computer system. But the word mimicking is sometimes problematic because many systems these days, for instance, would exceed human capabilities, certainly in terms of speed and consistency. So maybe a more practical definition is computer systems that carry out tasks that would otherwise require a human. And there are various approaches to achieving that. Basically, they fall into two main camps. The area with probably longest history is called symbolic AI or sometimes knowledge-based AI, which is where you try to capture human knowledge and expertise in the form of rules, relations, models, and apply that knowledge to new circumstances as they arise using logic. So the logics are built into the system. But the area that I suppose has attracted most attention in recent years is a different approach, which is data-driven AI of which the main tool is machine learning. And that is where the computer system learns patterns in data so that when it's confronted with something new, it can respond in an intelligent way based on what it's learned from the data sets. The data-driven and knowledge-based approaches are complementary. One can inform the other or can validate the output of the other. But Adrian says there's been an interesting shift in the way that AI works the same AI that wrote the introduction to this podcast episode. 
Throughout most of my career, AI had been what I would call discriminative and specialist. So discriminative means that it would make a decision of some sort, and specialist means that it was working in a narrow domain. But recently we've seen the rise of generative AI, which rather than just make a decision, actually creates something new. Maybe some text, some music, or even some artwork. And it's also generalist, so it's no longer a specialist form of AI. So there's been a definite shift in recent times. What might surprise you is that AI isn't quite the young whippersnapper that most of us assume. You can debate when it started, but I would pinpoint Alan Turing's paper of 1950, and the first published use of the expression artificial intelligence was in 1955 as publicity for the so-called Dartmouth Conference on AI in 1956. So it's been around for a while. I myself started working in the field in the 1980s, and there was a big surge of excitement then. Uh, a lot of companies, government organisations, etc., were developing so-called expert systems at that time. But at the same time, we had the first useful form of machine learning with a form of neural network, or more specifically, a training algorithm for that network, which really started to set that particular ball rolling. But it can't be denied that things have sped up recently. We've had some significant improvements, particularly in machine learning algorithms. We've got computer systems which have access to all the information in the internet. Then I think perhaps most important of all, we've got much more powerful computer systems now than we did a couple of decades ago. So proposals which were just a concept then have become a practical reality. So things are changing rapidly, but I think it's also important to be mindful of the history and how we got here. Because in my view, all the tools that we have, you can see that they're an improvement on the tools that we had before. One of the other things driving the rate of AI development comes down to us, as Sershan explains. Right now, we can look at, in a graphical sense, the expectation on AI versus time. And so the public perception and expectation is really high. Media is really focusing on the AI-related developments. There are a lot of funds that are allocated by governments. And this is typical for technological developments. It was the case for nanotechnology and robotics and many others. And looking at the current progression, I think many organizations will be investing in AI-related application and they will integrate their solutions to AI, offer better value in their services. And perhaps some companies eventually will not see any benefit from it. And we will go through the end of the cycle where we will see the companies who are left in the competition and really using AI in their applications. When expectation and development is happening so fast, is there a risk that the AI world is something of a wild west? Here's what Alexandra thinks. That is a very, very interesting question because when you think about regulating AI, you have to think about each country individually. At the moment, globally, we don't have a single intergovernmental agency that will cover the questions of AI regulation. I'm going to start from UK. We don't have a singular regulatory legislative act that can potentially govern and regulate AI. But the government has opened active consultations with the people who work in the industry, with the heads of AI systems like from Microsoft, from Alphabet, from OpenAI as well. And in fact, there is going to be a world summit in Bletchley Park, the place of Alan Turing. So that's going to happen in November. And there they're going to talk about where are we going to go with AI in terms of regulating it. In terms of US... They're mostly concerned 
with issues of liability. Now, who is responsible if something goes wrong with the U.S.? A lot of the regulatory attention there goes to misinformation, especially with the elections coming up. This is the, a big focus for the U.S. legislator. We also have issues in the U.S. when it comes to privacy questions as well. What do we do if we have a lot of private information that all these AI systems are accessing and how do we protect them? And of course, the loss of jobs. Now, EU is a little bit better because they have a draft of a document which is called AI Act, which is basically trying to persuade the public that it's not a bad thing. So they are trying to develop an element of trust for the public that, look, we're going to make it safe for you. And if you use it properly, we can make sure that it improves your economic and social well-being. But there's a country that is far in front of all the others in terms of AI regulation. And it might surprise you. China actually is way ahead of everyone else in terms of regulating AI. They started regulating AI from 2021. So in 2021, they adopted the first legislation that stops false information dissemination online. And that was primarily targeted for the Chinese version of TikTok. So that was that in 2021. And then we have the next legislative act in 2022, where they basically said for every synthetically generated content, deep fake, you have to label it. You have to say that it's synthetically generated. Again, they want to stop false information dissemination. And then the latest one they adopted this year for generative AI, which basically makes the companies use accurate information for machine learning. So they actually have AI depository in China, where there's open AI systems, they have to provide the code, the process of machine learning to this AI depository. And then they have to demonstrate how they do it. And there it also passes the security self-assessment process. Here's a question for countries, apart from China, trying to get their collective heads around AI regulation. Do they understand it well enough? Can you regulate AI without actually knowing what's happening? Because, you know, people in parliament, they don't understand how it works. So for them to actually build something, to safeguard something, they have to understand how that process works. How does it work? You know, these little details, you know, opening that source code and bigger transparency is going to be a major problem. Here are some Life Solved podcast recommendations. Life's too short to fully examine it, but here are some podcasts to help you make some progress. The Partially Examined Life Philosophy Podcast is a deep-dive philosophy reading group that's been downloaded nearly 50 million times. Based on its success, host Mark Linsenmeyer started the Nakedly Examined Music Podcast, featuring career-spanning interviews with songwriters. You get to hear some great songs and learn about the creative decisions behind them. But maybe you're not that geeky about music or philosophy. Try Mark's Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast, where diverse panels of guests examine what we watch or otherwise consume. For the philosophy beginner who's not averse to some comedy thrown in the mix, try Philosophy versus Improv. Mark and Chicago improv comedy instructor Bill Arnett teach each other their respective arts and bring on professional philosophers or performers to keep things lively. Find out about all of Mark's podcasts at partiallyexaminedlife.com or look up the Partially Examined Life, Nakedly Examined Music, Pretty Much Pop, 
and philosophy versus improv, wherever you listen. If you're enjoying Life Solved, the research podcast from the University of Portsmouth, then you might like one of our other episodes. From space, fabrics, films, environments, human biology, philosophy and much more, there's an episode for you. Back in February 2023, we explored how AI can assist in crime prevention with then-PhD researcher Matt Tolbert. Basically, as security is getting better, there's less chances for burglary, basically, and it because it becomes more affordable, it means that you're not just limiting the best security measures and the best prevention methods to the highest earners. Anyone these days, hopefully, could be able to afford locks on their door and motion-activated lights and these kind of things because as security gets better, it also becomes cheaper. All the episodes from our first 11 series and this one are available to stream for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's turn to the issues of copyright in the world of AI. There are many reasons why governments around the world are looking to regulate the technology, and this will likely require some new rules. But copyright law exists already, and that can cover pictures, text, music, and all sorts of other areas. Could it be used to control the misuse of artificial intelligence in the creative arts? We all remember the big copyright case, Son Eyes, Eyes Baby, and they actually copied David Bowie's and Queen's Under Pressure. So they managed to settle it down. But when the judge looks at that, in corporate law, you don't actually have, it's not enough to copy the lyrics, it's not, it's not enough to copy the melody, because the copyright protects only the skeleton of your work, but not the ideas and not the facts. So in the case, in, the, in corporate, you have to prove that there is a process of actual copying. There is an intent of copying of that work. So if you think about ChatGPT writing a song for you, so if I'm going to say, write, compose me a song that sounds like Strawberry Fields or Beatles, it's probably going to come up with something. So if the representatives of Beatles find out that you made that song and you didn't notify them that you made produce that song, they're probably going to take you to court. And the chances are that you're going to lose are very high because if you think about ChatGPT and the process of machine learning, the whole process is about going and copying and learning how to do it. So most likely, this is not going to end up well for you. It wouldn't be the money that you make out of the song. It would be the process, how you copied it and how did it come to the point that it resembles the original song and how is there it resembles and is there an intent of copying that work there. It's quite an interesting field of law because you can't really like understand it fully through. It doesn't protect facts and ideas. So... There's a lot of discussions to be held there, definitely. And with a lack of, let's call it transparency, in the way that AI works, it all sort of magically happens, right? It's incredibly difficult to follow the trail of copyright crumbs. There's a large data set, which includes lots of books, articles, and a lot of copyrighted materials. And the problem is when we look at a song or a written book, and there are a lot of books that have been published out there with ChatGPT being the co-author now, it is difficult to pinpoint where that information is coming from. So then again, this technology itself is making things harder with regards to lawmakers and copyright protection. The legal questions haven't only just arisen with generative AI, with the discriminative AI, which was making a decision or judgment, has similar issues in terms of who's responsible for that decision. Is it the software developers? Is it the users who've implemented that system, putting it into practice? And with regards to transparency, I mean, there is a technological answer to that point in that it's the data-driven machine learning that's somewhat opaque. You can see the data that it's 
drained on and you can see the output but the link between the two is somewhat opaque that is not the case with the symbolic or knowledge-based ai that is actually quite transparent in the sense that you can see the trail of logic that's led from a set of inputs to the conclusion and that's another way in which those techniques are complementary because it can throw some light some explanation onto what's coming out of your data-driven machine learning Another bit of bad news is that powerful technology uses, well, quite a lot of power. We're starting to become increasingly aware of the carbon footprint associated with AI and specifically machine learning. The UK alone uses some 2.5% of its electrical power on data centres, and that's growing. So that's a bit of a problem, but equally there's growing awareness. So some people working in the field have published a thing called the Green Algorithms Calculator, which allows you to estimate the carbon footprint of any machine learning that you're planning to do. And with that information, you can be a bit smarter. So we need to get away from just thinking, I've got a big data set, I've got a big algorithm, and I'm going to apply it. You can be a bit cleverer about that and use sort of partially trained algorithms and just refine them a little bit. So you're really cutting down on the on the the cycle and indeed AI can actually help with many of the environmental problems that the world is facing in terms of analysing climate change, interpreting the data and planning for a more sustainable future. Issues of safety and security also come into the mix when we're talking about AI and it gets a bit scary when we dig more into these problems. We can talk about multiple elements now. One is what we know as deepfakes. And at the moment, we see immense progression there. The deepfakes are very realistic and can be used to steal people's identities and even create chaos in war times, as it seems, because these solutions really replicate the famous people's voice and look and everything. Of course, developments in AI to detect defects too. So it's like we can look at the situation as like uh, viruses in our computer. We have software to detect it, but there are also hackers continuously developing their approaches too. So AI is developing in more positive and negative way to with regards to security issues. As artificial intelligence grows in use, we'll likely be putting more and more personal information into our devices. And companies might well be doing the same with our data. Sershan thinks we need to understand what is happening and what could happen in the future. Companies put a lot of information into solutions such as ChatGP that they shouldn't. And I think the public needs to be educated very well that what type of information should be put into such a generative AI solution and what should not be. And because we've seen previously in the news that some companies lost some important information, intellectual property linked information, and using ChatGPT such solutions because the employee of such companies really try to improve their algorithms and things like that over ChatGPT like solutions. So these these are very dangerous way of using such solutions. So there are developments to resolve this issue. There are private generative AI and LLM uh, solutions, not public ones. So there will be closed loop solutions where companies will be able to use in a way their own ChatGPT. So they will be able to interact with uh, such solution. Yet again, they won't open their sensitive information to the public. Yeah, so everything you put into ChatGPT, any information that goes into ChatGPT becomes information in the public domain. So if there is something that you don't want other people to know, don't write it in. Very simple, you know. 
On the positive side, machine learning can be used to spot patterns, and one of the patterns it can be trained to spot is normal network traffic. Therefore, by implication, it can spot abnormal network traffic, that is to say, a cyber attack. So you can use machine learning to ward off such attacks by spotting those differences from what might be considered normal. Sadly, with every bit of good news, there's also a downside. Because it's such a powerful solution, the AI can be prepared in a way to continuously look for vulnerabilities and gaps in the security systems of organizations. So imagine AI technology that is being designed to hack computers and that constantly, continuously looking for through large data sets and vulnerabilities and identifying and hacking systems. Aside from holding conferences and fleshing out laws for the future, what are governments doing to protect us right now? In the US, the Free Trade Commission, they opened an investigation to look into ChatGPT files and trying to understand if their files are held securely. So they are looking into that and also to identify if the information that the ChatGPT is spreading is not false. So the, the government is also trying trying to do something in terms of that. So, if, for example, in the EU, surveillance AI systems are banned. So the crime identification systems are also banned unless they are for the identification of the terrorism. Again, so there is a lot of activity there from the government point of view. Sometimes the future of AI paints a dystopian picture where the machines have taken over. But Adrian has a slightly rosier image. I am very much an optimist. I can see lots of benefits from the developments in AI and we already are seeing many of those developments. We can imagine more and more automation of repetitive tasks and in some ways you might say well that takes away people's jobs but actually certainly for the foreseeable future I think AI is going to create more jobs than it takes away and in areas like healthcare which I'm personally quite involved in it frees up the clinicians to concentrate on the interesting, difficult, challenging cases and the routine processing of patient information becomes automated. I can also foresee, sticking with that same domain of healthcare, very much improved healthcare from the point of view of the patient diagnosis, management of treatment plans and care beyond that. And equally, we can imagine more broadly better medical discovery. So there's already a lot of work going on at the moment using AI to help with the discovery of new drugs. And it goes beyond that more widely. Here in the University of Portsmouth, we have our Centre for Enzyme Innovation, and they're using AI techniques there to devise new enzymes for digesting polymers. So, you know, there are lots of reasons why this can lead to positive improvements for society in general. Perhaps... Humans will focus on what they're best at, not at things that are repetitive, routine and boring stuff, but they will be doing things that requires critical thinking, creativity, empathy. These are the things that we are best at. So maybe it is good that we are not going to be doing this heavy lifting type of work and we will let AI to do it. I agree. Yeah, yeah. if we manage to contain this technology safely, there is only benefit. Eliminate human bias and it's going to be, you know, a human society 2.0, an improved version of what we have now. With the US elections coming in 2024, there are fears that this could be the first election where AI is seriously misused to create deep fake photos or disinformation. Perhaps the potential for artificial intelligence to be used for bad 
as much as it is for good, is the reason that governments are urgently looking at what they need to do to protect us all. We hardly even touched on that part of the story in this episode. So if you'd like to hear more, email us at lifesolved at port.ac.uk. That's lifesolved, one word, at port.ac.uk. We'd love you to be a part of the conversation and find out what you'd like to learn from future shows. Outro music. That's the last in this series of Life Solved. We're back with season 13 on October 26th, exploring the science of smells, the horrors of Halloween, and the real facts about radiation. In the meantime, you can get news of the latest developments here at the university by going to our website, port.ac.uk. Thank you for joining us today. And remember to subscribe to our podcast for future episodes on AI and its incredible potential. Yep, what she said. Bye for now. Outro music fades out. <laughs>